This is Music Ed Amplified. Greetings, Music Ed scholars, and welcome to Music Ed Amplified, a podcast where we get real about life as a music teacher in all its awesomeness and sometimes only very, very rarely, dare I say it, awfulness. This is a place for music teachers to listen and learn about music education philosophy and practice, and at the same time, hopefully feel encouraged, educated, and challenged along the way, especially when it comes to issues of justice, equity, inclusion, and racism. Before we get to our interview with today's guest, Natasha Verhulst, I wanted to share something that I posted on the Music Ed with Missy Facebook page. It was in response to a question asking what we would say if asked to give the purpose for elementary music education. I thought it was really interesting to revisit this type of question, one that I was often asked in my undergrad years, now that I'm an old lady teacher. I purposely didn't think about it too long and just dove in and wrote in the moment. I admit that for this episode, I did some edits. I mean, it wouldn't be Missy if I wasn't neurotically editing until the last second, But here's what I came up with. To me, the umbrella purpose for music in elementary school is to help children joyfully and naturally tap into their inherent musicality while their music aptitude is still malleable. They should learn to competently and comfortably sing, move, and play in solo and with others. Additionally, teachers must help students understand that there are other humans in cultures different than their own who also make music for similar purposes but in all different kinds of ways, and that they can and should learn about and develop an appreciation for these other cultures for the rest of their lives. It is during these elementary years that young students will form the foundation of future understanding for the function and necessity of music in everyday life, for themselves, and in community for, from, and with others. And they should have a ton of fun along the way. When they leave the elementary years, students should understand at a molecular level that music is an intrinsic part of who they are and the world around them, and that music is a right that they have for the rest of their lives. This means that every student, whether they go on to perform in an ensemble, multiple ensembles, or no ensembles, or whether they become amateur musicians or professional musicians, or choose to simply make and or enjoy music for themselves and with their families and friends and communities, every one of those students can confidently say, I am musical. I'm curious, how would you answer that question? Feel free to send your answer to me at musicedwithmissy at gmail.com or post it on the Facebook page. Now on to our interview. Natasha Verholst is an enrolled tribal member of the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Chippewa and a descendant of the Menominee Nation. She received her bachelor's degree in music education with triple certification from St. Norbert College in Wisconsin and is currently working toward her master's degree in music ed with emphasis in Kodai, previously at Holy Family College, and plans to finish the program at Lakeland University. Natasha has taught band and choir at the high school level, as well as band, choir, and general music at the middle school level. She is currently teaching elementary general music on the Menominee Reservation in Wisconsin. Natasha's career goal is to help bring Native music and culture to the music classroom setting for children to experience and learn from. Natasha recently worked with PBS on their project, Resound Songs of Wisconsin, creating a diverse curriculum of different cultural music for educators throughout the state. She has presented at the local and state levels and recently was part of a summer workshop series where she taught music educators how to include Native American music in regular music lessons. The National Indian Education Association is featuring Natasha's lesson plans on their website so that educators throughout the country can use them in their classrooms. She is also a Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Access Committee member for the Feyerabend Association for Music Education. I was privileged to sit down and talk with Natasha recently, and I am so happy to share this conversation with you. There is a ton that I need to learn about Indigenous people in order to unravel the false history that I was taught, so this experience with Natasha was especially powerful for me. Let's dig in. 
All right. Well, welcome, Natasha. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me, Waiwanan. Oh, appreciate it. <laughs> Wait, what was that? What did you say? Waiwanan, but yeah. thank you in Menominee. Waiwanan. Why, why do I sound like that one? I'm like, I ran. <laughs> That's the New Jersey creeping in. Um, all right. So there's so much cool stuff uh, you have to share. I'm going to start with something I'm asking every guest this season. Uh, and that's, you know, how the heck is that COVID teaching going for you? Can you tell us your current teaching situation, how it's different now versus how it would have been if it, there was no COVID and uh, because I know you use Dr. Feyerabend's uh, programs, how are you doing with that? Are you using them? Are you getting some progress? Are you kind of just taking the year as review or have you completely put it to the side? I'm teaching in my first year on my reservation. Um, yeah, so which I'm is in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin. Yep. I forgot so to say that. Yes. The, the Menominee Indian Reservation in Wisconsin. So I'm teaching at Kashina Primary School. Okay. And I teach for K through fifth grade. And so uh, in a normal year, I would have every class once a week in person. Okay. And um, the way that we were going to start the year was going to be like in a hybrid form. So we were going to see half of our kids on Monday and Tuesday. And then Wednesday was going to be like a cleaning, the cleaning day. Yeah, <laughs> yes. the cleaning That's what we're doing. <laughs> and then we were going to see the other half of the reservation on Thursday and or yeah, Thursday and Friday, and then they were going to clean again. Um, so the way that they were going to be able to fit the specials in with having that type of schedule was seeing the kids once every other week. Oh, because so, yeah. there's so, so many kids. Right, yeah, So and there's that many classes, and mm. we were cutting their time down too because our kids, you know, with transportation on the reservation and stuff too, we could not... The, the time we were starting like actual classes at nine o'clock because we need to give that time to get everyone in, in the morning, right. especially with the way things are right now with COVID. Mm. But now that our numbers got really bad on our reservation, it's mm. actually been the worst County in Wisconsin really? on the last yeah, couple of weeks. It hit our oh. reservation pretty hard. And so we ended up not going back in person. So we were going to go hybrid and we had like a soft opening. So like the first Two weeks of September, we're going to be get the technology in the kids' hands so that they could be, you know, half in and half out. And then we were going to start in person on September 21st. Well, then this outbreak happened really bad um, on the Menominee Reservation. So um, we ended up saying, nope, we're just going to start in person and be safe. And we've been um, we've been digital. And the whole time. Yeah, the whole time. And they voted to stay um, until the end of the semester as of right now. Um, so and that's then the, the, the end of December, the end of January. Oh, the end of January. Okay. Yeah. So it's, um, it's been interesting at first, the teachers were like in the building teaching from the building. Then they said, Nope, everyone teach from home. I'm glad to hear uh, that. <laughs> yeah. And then, well, then we had, um, we have students who, you know, aren't able to get internet service and it's not because uh. like we, we, provide what we can but um some of them just live in an area where there is there is no service available um mm -hmm. so we've done those hot spots as much as we can and stuff like that but um so we set up these distant learning centers so we have certain amount of teachers assigned in the gymnasiums in each of the schools each day and we've got these tables spread apart and kids can sign in to come in for two hour slots and mm -hmm. we're with a teacher all in PPE um, on their Chrome, if they have questions or if they um, just need the internet access. Sure. Um, and so our transportation is bringing those kids in spaced out and doing the best we can to deal with yeah. it right now. Yeah. So, so I'm delivering um, one lesson online every other week. So we have okay. like an A week and a B week. And I've mostly been doing that by just recording it because of the access that my kids have, I, it, I, it's not really feasible for me to go live because they won't all be able to see it at the same time. Right. Um, so I've created a, my little Bitmoji classroom. <laughs> I make my little videos with Screencastify, and then I link those videos to my Bitmojis. And okay, and <laughs> you're using first steps with them. Yes. Um, so 
I'm doing as much as I can with those activities. So sure. I'm not getting like all seven steps in. in of course. Lesson. Right. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> so, many people who are. But. Right. So it's been like about four activities a lesson. And I just try to do each activity as one of the different steps. Okay. Um, and then since my kids don't really have the opportunity to like record themselves and send it back, I haven't been doing a whole lot of like Arioso or stuff like that or having them submit anything. It's mostly sure. been like, here are the activities, participate yeah. along with. And just hope they're in. doing it. Yeah, exactly. And then for conversational solfege, it's basically been the same type of thing, um, starting with them. And it's mostly been like, I would say kind of review too, because I'm, sure. I not, wasn't sure exactly where the kids are when I started here anyway, because it's my first year here. But um, I, I've been seeing it as like, for some of these kids, this is their outlet and this yeah. is their time to get away during this time. This is their time to do something fun. So let's make it fun. If you're okay doing so, I'd love to hear more about your tribal identity. You know, what, what was music like in your childhood, you know, in your home and in your community and how did you, what was the place of it in your life and how did you become a music teacher? It's a long story, but it all forms who I am today. So I am a member of the Bad River Band of the Lake Superior Chippewa. And um, so I have like citizenship for, of that tribe. And then uh, I'm also a descendant, a first degree descendant of the Menominee Nation. And that's where I currently teach. So I also have like rights on that reservation and with that tribe as well. What are those distinctions? Like, what's mm -hmm. the nation versus the... Could you help me out? Because I'm clueless, which is sad. So, uh, the Bad River Band is basically a band within a larger tribe. Okay. So, that's within the Chippewa or Ojibwe people, within the Ojibwe tribe. Okay. The Menominee Nation, that is a separate tribe, separate okay. nation. So, because I have, you know both in my family. Okay. Um, so basically someone who is Menominee at one point married someone who is from the Bad River Band. So it's like two, those two things are kind of the same, the nation and the tribe. Yes. Tribe, nation, band, those are some things that can kind of be used interchangeably, not as much band. Usually band is a, like a smaller. smaller group within a tribe. Yeah. But tribe and nation are typically, they, they typically can be used Okay. With any Thank other. you for bearing with me. I'm, oh, no. I'm so, that's great. I have so much um, to learn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, um, my, my grandparents, they lived on the Menominee Reservation and so did their parents before them. And they both attended boarding school on the Menominee Reservation. So then my tribe, the Menominee tribe was actually terminated in it was supposed to be like 1954, but then it got pushed back. So it was 1961. So basically they took away our rights as a sovereign nation. So we were not the Menominee tribe anymore. Some people have, I've heard um, elders speak about it. Like, you know, we couldn't even call ourselves Indians at that time is basically what people have said, because our identity was taken from us. Those mm. rights were taken from us. And then the tribe was re reinstated or restored we call it restoration on december 22nd 1973 so our restoration day is coming up which is a big oh, deal that's cool. for us yeah, yeah it's like a, a big every year it's a big deal our restoration day so during that termination time my grandparents moved off of the reservation um because um at that time it you know it the area became very poor and there wasn't really much left for people there so a lot of people moved um, in Wisconsin to like or to Sheboygan. Some people moved to Milwaukee. Some people moved down to Chicago and Illinois. Um, and just all over people spread out because they're like, well, our tribes, you know, if yeah. we're not here, we're terminated. Must be so devastating. I can't imagine. There are a lot of um, elders who I know who they just can't even talk about that time sure. because it's just too hard. They lost too much. Um, so during that time, my my grandparents and then some of my like great aunts and uncles, like their siblings moved as well to the Sheboygan area. And that's where my mom was born and she mm -hmm. met um, my dad. And my, my dad is not native. Um, he's like German and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, so we were born, I was born in Sheboygan and then 
I was raised in Keele, Wisconsin. Um, so I grew up off of the reservation. Um, I had attended normal public school music class. Um, I started piano when I was pretty young, like four, three or four. And then um, I started flute in fifth grade. But throughout this whole time, I, we also would go back to the reservation um, every year. We'd go to powwow, we'd go right. visit family. We were about an hour and a half to two hours away. Um, so we'd go visit a lot and it was still a really big part of my life, um, especially going to powwow. Like it's just such. Did you, I'm sorry, did you feel <clears throat> like when you were going to, and powwow happens once a year or is it something that happens well, whenever you want? It depends on the, the tribe and it depends on what powwows. So like we have a contest powwow. Um, our tribe has like a veterans powwow. Um, mm -hmm. Some years we have like a sobriety powwow on like New Year's Eve. And then mm -hmm. um, we have our sturgeon feast powwow, which is like a, our celebration of the sturgeon. Wow. Um, so we would typically go back. The two main ones we would go back for would be um, sturgeon feast powwow and for contest powwow, which is every year in August. And, and when you went to these, this is what I was trying to ask before. Mm -hmm. Did you really feel like I'm a part of this? I'm, you know, I think maybe for me, I'm, this is like becoming selfish for a second, but <laughs> you know, my mom would take me to these Filipino American uh, celebrations. And I remember feeling for me uh, kind of alienated at those or just kind of a little bit ill at ease, but I know other people, you know, feel completely at home if they're, um, you know, mixed like me. So I'm just curious, you know, were you like, yes, this is my people, this is me, or were you like, this is weird? I feel <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good question. So I would say um, a mixture of those feelings comes up in multiple places in my life. So sure. going to powwow was always really exciting. I sure. liked being there. Um, you know, when the drums start and the singers are singing and the dancers are dancing, I would always feel like a reconnection to who mm -hmm. I was. And um, not saying that I, I know I'm Native all the time, um, but there is an identity struggle when you grow up, you know, mixed. And there's an identity struggle when you grow up away from your community or like sure not living in your community. Like I wouldn't say it was necessarily always away from my community because, you know, my mom's native, my, my family lived in Sheboygan too. Um, but around those like cultural events, um, you know, I didn't grow up in the community where they took place. I went and, and visited them and, and got to be a part of them. Um, but yeah, I understand what you mean. Like, it's definitely a divide, like, Oh, growing up, well, I'm not just, white to fit in with everyone who's just white but I'm I'm not also. I'm not yes. yeah but I'm always also having to oh you're native well how much are you you know it's always right. I'm, I'm not am I enough to be with the native people I'm not yeah. just white to be with the white people so it's like <laughs> yeah I love that you know you were very connected to these celebrations which as you mentioned have a lot of music in them did you you feel like that's part of where you kind of got that love of music or it has to be, right? Part yeah. of it, at least. Yeah, well, and I, I listened to a lot of music. My dad, my parents, both of them, just really loved music. My grandparents, my mom's parents, my native grandparents passed away very early. My grandpa passed away before I was born. And my grandma, she passed away when I was just a couple years old. So I didn't really get to know them that well, which was unfortunate because growing up away from that community, that would have been you know, my connection to tell me the stories yeah. and things, but it's also hard because they grew up in boarding school where mm. they were discouraged to talk about those things. So can you we'll, talk we'll, a little bit about those boarding schools or? Yeah. Not? So boarding schools were well, residential schools or assimilation schools that were on the reservations where they would take kids from their families and basically assimilate them and so the saying was um kill the indian save the man was the mm -hmm. motto of residential schools so that was they they take the kids there cut their hair you know give them different clothes a lot of times give them a different name like an english name right. and um assimilate them teach them to write to to speak in english a lot of times 
were discouraged to speak their language. I have relatives I know who, even when they came home and they would want to speak with their family in their native tongue, their parents wouldn't let them because they just wanted their kids to be able to survive. Sure. Um, so it's very, it, it was a very heartbreaking time, a lot of abuse during that time. Um, I have some stories from, you know, some family members that I, I won't share now, but are very heartbreaking. Um, yeah. That's and, what I'm learning about it just a little bit. But you said your grandparents and your, was it your aunts and uncles? Or your my great aunts and uncles. Great aunts and uncles, yep. And so my grandparent, my great grandparents on my my grandma's parents, they were actually, they lived next to the boarding school on the Menominee Reservation. And so their kids got to come home every day, oh, okay. um, which was something that they, like, that was the main reason why they wanted to live there. So their kids got to come home every day, but they went to boarding school every day. And my grandpa, he attended that boarding school, you know, as like staying there. Right. Um, and my, my grandpa, he worked, my great grandpa, he worked at the boarding school as a carpenter. Um, so they, you know, they were there. They it's were right a big part to, of their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But my great aunts and uncles too, they've, they've talked to me about it. Um, one of my great uncles who passed away a couple of years ago, um, the summer before he passed away, he never really talked about that stuff. And I was in college at the time and, you know, in our, our classes, our education classes had talked a little bit about boarding schools. Um, so I asked him about it, not knowing, you know, if he's going to say anything right. or not. Um, but he, he told me about his experiences, wow. um, which was, you know, it was, it was sad, but I was also, very humbled to have the opportunity to hear from him about it sure. before he, you know, went on his journey. So, yeah. And that's a powerful transmission, you know, from one generation to the next generation. I'm glad that you got mm -hmm. that opportunity. Yeah. And very sorry that your family and people had to go through that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so we, um, yes, uh, powwow, like listening to, so native music was like a big deal in my life. Loved it. Loved going to powwow, hearing all of that. When I was up with family one time, one of my uh, cousins was playing Native American flute. Okay. And I was like, this is the most beautiful thing. I was in sixth grade. I was like, I want to do, I want to play that, that instrument so beautiful. And I told my parents, so that Christmas, they gifted me one for, for Christmas. And I just kind of like self-taught myself, you know, that's how, that's how a lot of our instruments are, especially Native American sure. flute, um, you know, playing from your heart. And it was really the, like probably one of the best gifts I ever received. Um, oh, cool. So that, that shaped me and I um, played that for my school a few times and kind of talked about my culture a little bit um, in middle school even. Wow. Um, share that it's hard to get middle schoolers to do stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> I like doing stuff like That's that cool. I was I was in fifth grade when I knew I wanted to be a music teacher I had a really oh my goodness <laughs> I didn't know until a long time <laughs> my middle school um, teacher was very inspirational and she really made me want to be a music teacher so that's fantastic I was always interested in the music and the culture um, growing up but um, you know, I didn't, oh, when you're little, you don't have the means to go do that stuff yourself. Yeah. Um, so when I was in college um, and I could do more research and go up to the reservation more on my own, um, I, I did by myself or w bring a sibling with me or just go with my mom because we didn't always have the time to go as a family with uh, everything we have going on. I have three siblings and then my mom and dad, we were all in sports, we were all in music, we we're all right. in no FFA and all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, when I had that time on my own to go when I could, um, I did and stayed with some relatives and learned more, um, participated in ceremony. And then I really was able to, to get involved the way that I wanted to be um, and reconnect. So that, yeah, was really kind of a later on in my life. I was always connected to my culture, but I feel way more connected now than I have ever before. Okay which is why I'm so happy to have you in the Fire Robin community and hear, you. <laughs> you know, uh, your willingness to talk is really great. Um, 
because obviously you know, many of us have so much to learn and you know on that track <laughs> um you know we're we're in an era it's an important era and i'm talking about the past 10 years maybe even of you know changing the way we speak about each other about our culture about other people's cultures but i think in my life i'm trying to just strike a balance of the most important thing is i don't want to offend somebody in the mm-hmm. in the most truest way you know i don't want someone to do that to me you know and i don't mm-hmm. want to do it to them when i say these terms to you i just wonder what your response is to them mm-hmm. things like indigenous first nations American Indian, Native American, are any of these phrases that should be avoided? Should we embrace them all? Are they interchangeable? Um, okay, so I get asked this question a lot. And I whenever know. I do presentations, that's the first thing I go over is terms. Um, right. So uh, I'll start with like Indian and American Indian. So Um, American Indian is the government term used for us. So when I fill out like the U.S. census, when I mark, whenever it asks you a box or asks you a question about your race and you have to check off the boxes, um, mine says American Indian. So that's why a lot of times people still refer to Indian and American Indian um, would be in that context. And that's why a lot of, I would say, Um, the generation before me, so like my mom's generation, her, her parents' generation, the generations before that, Indian was a very accepted term. Um, So they used that. And a lot of people like on my reservation today still refer to the, to themselves as Indians or, you know, Indian people. Um, But um, coming from other people, I would say probably to not use that term. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I was going to say it um, reminds me of a lot of terms where it's like, you know, we don't have the, the privilege to decide if we use it or not. We just don't. Right. Yeah. You so know. that's one word. Like I wouldn't, I personally would not use it. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I would say it's not up there with the, you know, the R term right. um, that we finally have changed um, from the football team. But um, it's, I wouldn't say up there with that, but I would say it's, you know, it's, it can be offensive to people, especially in my generation now who are like, no, that's not us anymore. Right. Um, So then you have some people who prefer Native American, um, which is, you know, I say Native American a lot, um, but also that's kind of an outdated term or like as well, like it's kind of not. um, Interesting the best term because as native people, like we existed before this idea of America. Right. Ah, good point. So um, (laughs) a lot of us say instead of native American, they would just prefer native or indigenous. Um, But uh, I think furthermore, the, the best preference, um, like the best choice would be if you know that person's nation or tribe would be that. So my Menominee friend, my Ojibwe friend, you know, my Oneida friend, um, or um, some people get really specific in there. Like, and if you really, if you really right. want to be really respectful to me and show me, um, you can call me what, by what I am in my language. So in Menominee, that would be Omatna Menewak and oh in Ojibwe, Anishinaabe. And I mean, that's, I mean, that's going pretty far, but. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a show of respect. Gonna, Right. If we were going to really um, take it that far, that would be because all of our tribes, you know, we have our own names and we have our own languages as well. So, sure. um, and when I say these, everything that I say in this interview or this in this conversation, I should say, everything yeah. I say in this conversation, um, you know, these are the way that I see things or the right. way that your perspective, my, my perspective, my, the way I was brought up within my tribal nations, they might be different, you know, all across the U S um, you know, we mostly go based off of what our elders say sure. and what they approve of. Um, when I, when I started doing any of this work um, with music, I, I talked to the elders first um, when I was going to present at my state conference, when I was going to start working on my capstone, I talked to my elders and said, you know, I want to do this about native music and education. 
is what do you think about this and had some conversations um i went to ceremony and prayed on it um just to make sure that i could do it in a good way with a good heart and um the best way for my people so that i wouldn't be disrespecting anyone either um so the way that i say things and stuff is how i was taught (laughs) that we always say that within our relations like this is how i was taught (laughs) it might not be you don't speak for every single native person in America. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. would be a lot of pressure for you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a, it's, but it's an excellent, you know, point to, to yeah. remind everybody, you know, you can't go around saying, well, Natasha said that we could do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, well, that's the main thing with these terms too, like their preference and sure. um, everyone has their own preferences. My preference would definitely be probably like native or um, if people refer to my nation. Okay. Nations, I should say. Yeah, I was going to say. From two. <laughs> yeah. And what about words like this is, I mean, this, I just today I was watching something um, with my son and they're like, you're my spirit animal. And it's so funny how you just tune, you're just used to the vernacular of where you grew up. and what, But mm-hmm. now we have these words like people kind of... Um, taking them on uh people who are not native or not indigenous what's Mm -hmm. your feeling about things like that like you know oh come on we're gonna powwow together Um, now i can't think of how to use it how people say it and like Um, this is my tribe yeah or let's powwow over here yes yes yeah what's your what's your feeling because i've just tried to stop using those yeah Um, i um so my initial reaction to these um, I'm going to be honest sometimes is yes. like, just cringe. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I, like, oh. I was guessing. <laughs> like, oh man. Okay. So let's powwow over here. That one is just, that one's to me, it's like offensive because it kind of dismisses like what a powwow really is sure. or what people like, what people think a powwow is, oh, just talk. And then it makes me think, oh, people just think powwow is when Native Americans went and sat around a fire and talked or something. Right, like, right. Um, powwow is so much more than that and it depends on what the powwow is for too because sure. like our we most tribes have contest powwows where you dance you know for prize but right. um we also have powwows that are like like our sturgeon feast powwow tells we do we have dances that tell the stories of our creation the stories of our ancestors um so powwow holds mm. much more weight than let's go talk about this um so then i would say okay powwow um tribe oh that one a lot too so um for example bride tribe that's like a thing right now i never heard that you mean like when you're getting married yes there are people who are doing this bride tribe theme where they're what yeah they're doing like these these bachelorette and bridal shower things that are like bride tribe so they're like doing like teepees on cookies (gasps) no they're not no. Oh, they are, and it's really not cool. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's also interesting when we use this, like, vocabulary of, like, find your tribe or find my tribe, and it's, like, my tribe is, like, all about my kinship, so, sure. like, I would never find my tribe unless you were someone who maybe in a very sad situation got adopted out or something right. like that, which is and you actually very... don't know your tribe. Yeah, that's a very serious situation, so, like, we don't find our tribes our tribe is like our community that we belong to that's our family and so it's you're kind born of like, into it you're born right. into your tribe you don't find it right and especially with issues like blood quantum like native americans are for our citizenship within our tribes we literally have like pedigree you have to prove for like menominee tribe like has blood quantum so you have to prove um, this was like the Dawes Allotment Act. So when they were, you know, making tribes, sovereign nations and all this stuff within government, um, blood quantum was you had to prove you were this much, you had this much percentage of this tribe, and then you could be considered a member of that tribe and have citizenship to that tribe. Because if you think about it, like my citizenship with the Bad River Band is basically like dual citizenship in the United States. I am a U.S. citizen and I am a, a tribal citizen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm a descendant of the Menominee Nation, which their descendancy is is also based off of blood quantum. Um, so then you can have 
sometimes you can have rights to that as well, but you're not, you can't be enrolled in two tribes at one time. It doesn't work that way. Right. Um, and, and sometimes too, like for blood quantum, you know, I might be this much percentage Native American, but it's split within these two tribes. So some right. people like have plenty enough Native blood to be, and we say Native blood and percentages. It's just ridiculous in my opinion. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, you have, you know, this percentage of Native American, but it's split between two tribes and then you can't claim citizenship to either one. That identity is like you have it, but you like have no claim to it. It's, it's a wow. messed up system. So when people are finding their tribe, like it's kind of like a knock to that whole issue that people are struggling with, with their identity. Sure. You know, I think the one, the pushback the most is tribe and um, spirit animal because like tribe was used is a term used by you know other indigenous groups too across the whole world um so they're like you know i'm this and we had tribes too and it's like it's not that you can't use the word tribe it's the context of how you're using the word tribe right um and then spirit animal is just like oh this one's cringy too (laughs) (laughs) because like so animals have different you know, meanings in different tribes. So for example, like in my tribe, you know, we, we, our creation story is that we came from animals, like from the bear. Um, and our other clan, our, our main clans. Um, so they're animals and in that's, I think it's a hard concept for, um, non-native people because uh, in a lot of, you know, I would say most tribe, tribal nations, um, our animals and like the earth like there is not this hierarchy that exists within western you know culture sure our our you know the wolf is our brother like stuff like that our animals are a big circle of connection it seems like i guess i don't know right well even with like like people are like well then why do you hunt like well obviously like to you know sustain and be able to but but in a respectful way sure and it's like all parts the the parts of the animal that we use for like art and things like that too or for instruments like the the animals used um spirit animals that's a real thing within certain tribes right like you know what i mean or like your 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 clan stuff like that is all animals so I just think there's a better way we can say that. I heard um, some people now saying instead of spirit animal, like my Patronuses, <laughs> relating it to Harry Potter. <laughs> I was just going to say, really, it's these basic things for people like me who are like, I want to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. I want, And for the right reasons, you know. Yeah. And so I was going to ask you about something else. This one, I'm going to admit, which is embarrassing. The first time I heard it, I remember kind of rolling my eyes. Because I was like, and I don't usually admit to this because <laughs> it's embarrassing, but it's the truth. I was kind of like, somebody said, you know, you should find out what land your school is on and, um, you know, do something to honor that. And I was like, really? And then I started really thinking about that. And as I thought about it more and more, just the concept of what I was learning about basically what we stole <laughs> What do you think when you hear that? How can a person go about finding out whose land there are they are on? It, it depends on where you are. Like my resources for my tribes here in the woodland area in Wisconsin is going to be different than like if you're down, you know, in the plains. It's right. it's different. So sure. um, the music is they're different and you know different instruments different kinds of drums are used stuff like that so i'm always like um well let's back up for a second and find out find out where you're at so um there's this really great um like website and app that i like to point people in the direction of um it's the native land website and they have an app as well um and this is like it's a it's a canadian nonprofit, and basically it's an interactive map so you can click on where you are and it'll show you what tribes were in, were on your land, um, wow. pre-contact. And it's cool because it's not like bordered out like the, like the states are. They're overlapping because, you know, tribes weren't as, you know, strict. This yeah. is Wisconsin and this is Minnesota. Um, it was 
<laughs> you know, people moved around and stuff like that. So um, it, it shows you it's an interactive map. You can click on the different things. It'll take you to different resources for those tribes. Um, okay. And that same um, nonprofit, they uh, created an SMS bot. It was developed by um, a Code for Anchorage. Um, and basically, you can text your zip code or wow. your city comma state um, to this number. And I'll say it. It's 907-312-5085. Okay. And the bot will respond with the tribes that were on the land. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's not, that's, that's the thing now. It's, it's so quick. And you so can easy. That map. Yeah. And they, they have an app too. So you can look in there closer. And if you have like, you know, you can choose to have your location on in the app. Right. It'll, it'll just follow you and tell you what land, like it'll take you right to it. Um, and then it also, that map also talks about the different languages that were used in that area as well. Um, that's so it's very fantastic. cool. And yeah, what, and cool. what, what could I do? I'm trying to think of like what, I guess it would be like find the tribes, research the tribes, and then talk to my kids, my students, mm -hmm. um, about them. Is there, are there other things? Right. Yeah. So um, besides, so, you know, tribes, some tribes migrated, um, like the Ojibwe tribe, that's my bad river. We uh, migrated um, to Wisconsin. Um, Menominee didn't migrate at all. But then there were the other um, tribes that were pushed off their land. Okay. Um, so they might not be in that area anymore, but there might be other tribes in the area. So you might okay. want to also look if you have tribes in that area. So, um, for example, in Green Bay, um, we have the Oneida Nation here, um, but their original homelands are like New York. They're like back on the, on the East Coast. And so... Um, you would still want to, if you were teaching in the Green Bay Area School District, you'd still be want to want to be talking about the Oneida Nation because right. you likely have students who are Oneida in wow. your school district. So it's important to look at that as well. What what reservations are in your area currently, or what what reservations are within your state? You could be talking about as well. And um, I don't know about all other states, but for for the state of Wisconsin, we have a really we have a few really cool. Um, online resources like the ways and um, Wisconsin First Nations are some websites okay. that talk about all of our our tribes and reservations within our state and we have one that's just a specifically Wisconsin map of the tribes pre-contact okay and um, they must have them for other states I would oh I'm sure yes yeah because um, our one the First Nations website is like um, PBS and um, UW Madison that collaborated and put that together. Okay. Um, so I'm sure there are some for other states as well. Um, and then I think besides just doing your own research online and looking at those things, which is great, um, you can find like a lot of times if you, I know YouTube isn't a great resource for everything. Right. But it can be for some things. It can be. And so can like Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, our social media, we have so, so much access to stuff now. So like, for example, there were no powwows. Well, if there were, they were like, if there were powwows over the summer or currently they're like invite only really small things where people can be safe. Um, but most of them are canceled. All of ours in the area were canceled right. all summer because of COVID. So they created a social distance powwow group on Facebook oh, that's and cool. people, danced for contests and they still held powwow virtually and you just took a video of yourself dancing right. and sent it in um for your categories so oh, that's cool there are, there are a lot of cool dances out there um a lot of times if you google like if i would google menominee powwow 2019 um a lot of times there's video up that people right. have posted of the drumming groups or grand entries and stuff like that that you could also show your kids because it's good for them to see those modern day because a lot that's another issue we think oh native americans are a thing of the past they don't right. exist anymore or like in of native americans in the context of today modern day composers modern day artists yeah. um so those are things you could look for too like are there are there um current composers and artists from those tribes that you're looking at um current mm. drumming groups that you could be showing your kids and then 
are there events that you can go to? So in a year that was not COVID, <laughs> right? in a year that is not COVID, you could go attend a powwow. Most powwows are open to the public. Anyone can go. They're a great experience for you to, you know, hear the music, uh, hear the singing. Um, a lot of times they'll tell some of the stories during powwows. Um, you'll see the dances um, mm. or you'll hear the language. Uh, there's... You know, you can hear all those types of things at one powwow, one day of powwow even. Powwows can be a couple days long. Um, so if you, if there are things that are open to the public for those tribes, you know that you're that you're on the, the land or you're by the reservation, go check those things out and get in, get involved. Sure. Um, you can personally, you know, look at um, buying indigenous or making sure that you're not appropriating. Yes. Um, within your life, there is a lot of appropriation that goes on within um, everything, stores, you know, like sure. um, you could call out a lot of big companies that appropriate native patterns and designs um, or those, oh, you can buy those like smudging kits now are yeah. like a thing. And like, that's something that's, you know, part of our ceremony and sacred and not part of a costume party right exactly yeah halloween costumes all that yeah. stuff so doing your part in that as well and being a model of that is also very important okay yeah there's i think it's so exciting the possibility you know of not only finding out the history of where you live um whose land you're on but talking talking to your students, I mean, talking to your family, learning yourself. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, I've said to you that it's just in the past year that I've really kind of come face to face with something that I'm just, I think what I'm maybe ashamed is not the best word because it's, this part wasn't my fault, uh, except just globally, it's our fault. <laughs> um, you know, I got a false dose of history, um, or at least, let's say at best, I got an omitted uh, history of uh, the indigenous people. And I'm really trying to reverse that, um, just trying to start to learn on my own, research on my own. Um, I just got the book, uh, let me see if I'm saying it right, An Indigenous People's History of the United States, um, yeah. Hey, <laughs> you have it I there. Just, yeah, I just pulled it up. Yeah, oh, that's I actually, cool. Yeah, there. The, and you know what? Though you are not alone as a native, as a Native American, as a Native person in a public school setting away from my reservation. I grew up with an omitted version of yeah. Native history, and you know, we'd go home and we'd say to our parents, like, "This is." Why aren't they, you know, they're talking about a westward expansion, but they're not like we talked about Native Americans once today and it was all stuff where the it's land like, was being, and it, it's so confusing when you're a Native student sitting in that class. Oh, and, it must be painful. Oh, it is. And, and it's like, you don't want to, you know, when you're in the, you're in the space with your peers and you're listening to your teacher say these things, you don't want to be that person who, who calls it out. Right. You don't want to be the person that the rest of your classmates are looking at thinking like, what does she think she's talking about? Yeah. Um, so it's a difficult position to be in. And um, it, it's just, I've, I've spoke about this a lot. Like in Wisconsin, we have act 31 that says that we, you know, it lays out the state statutes for how we need to, to learn about native Americans within the public school system. And um Unfortunately, a lot of districts check boxes. So mm. they're thinking like, oh, we need to talk about, you know, the Wisconsin um, tribes in fourth. Oh, we, we talked about them. Right. Check the, the box. box. You know, uh. and what really this this Act 31 was about was to be showing, you know, we're talking about expansion. So we're going to we're, we're learning about westward expansion, but we're also going to talk about the native narrative at the same time yeah. was the intent of it. Um, and unfortunately, that is not what has, you know, transpired within, I mean, within the schools. <laughs> it's really mind-blowing. You know, I'm just wrestling with all of this, you know. I think there's so much to learn. 
Right. Well, even even as like when we talk about these like these slaughters, like even when we were we're growing up and you know we learn about the Holocaust as the yeah. biggest genocide, and it's like <laughs> wait what? Like as we would talk about it in our house and be like what? Like there were millions yeah. of indigenous people who were killed, and we don't have any idea about it. We the white people. I yeah. Mean. And and this there's just this idea that like when uh, you know contact happened. So pre-contact there's this idea that pre-contact Native Americans were just surviving, you know, they're, they the term savages, you know, unruly didn't, you know, all they did was fight each other and these tribes just killed each other and all this stuff. But we have proof that our tribes were thriving. And we have proof that we were modifying things. We have we have um, historical sites of raised garden beds and um, stories about how the plants that were, you know, planted together so that they would survive the best and the medicines and the, just everything that, you know, there was this picture painted to justify what happened. Absolutely. And it, it's just not true. There was civilization here before but right. it was a different kind of civilization sure, sure. <laughs> and and the narrative that we got was you know oh these poor people who are living you know uh trying to you know here's what i knew people sitting around a fire you know people a medicine man and i don't have any understanding of what that means yeah. except that the way it's portrayed to me and it's like we help them aren't we so kind um, mm -hmm. and they just wanted, you know, so we just moved them. And I remember when I was younger saying, well, that something's weird about that. And I wasn't smart enough to like forward the conversation. And I well, hope that's changing. Well, I think, and I think it is. What's interesting is that, you know, all these ways were, you know, civilized the Native Americans so that they <laughs> learn this way of life. And what's so interesting about it is that then we lost our ways. Right. And now we're trying to get back to those ways, like our languages, our ceremonies, things that weren't allowed to be practiced for so long. And, and now it's now it's what we're trying to get back to. So it's just it's very yeah. interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> from and that there's a lot to learn. There's a lot a lot to learn and there's a lot to lift up. I know um, I, for the first time, I mean, it's crazy. I didn't know, or I don't know how it worked. Like the, um, I'm going to say this right. Native American heritage day, month, you know, mm -hmm. and this year I started talking about it and the kids were like, why didn't we ever talk about, like, I didn't know any of this. You know, they knew mm -hmm. one thing I noticed, noticed was the Thanksgiving narrative, mm -hmm. they actually, I was surprised by how much they, they knew about okay. the truth versus what we used to learn. Yeah. But about the music and the traditions, we had actually just spoken about Diwali at length. And I was talking about the fact that, and I used myself, I said, you know, when I was growing up, I had this picture that everybody celebrated the way I did and what I did. And so when I would learn about something else, when I would hear about another holiday or tradition, it would just be like, oh, that's nice, but it's not the real one. You know, these yeah. are the real ones. <laughs> and I said, but yeah. what but we're learning is, what I learned and what I want you to learn is every group of humans has a set of traditions and values, mm -hmm. um, perspectives on religion things that they come together for, things that they mourn. And mm -hmm. what we're going to start doing, and especially this year, because we can't sing and we can't, you know, yeah, we're going to start learning so that when you learn about what's happening in a powwow, you don't say, like, that's weird, you know, yeah. or that's crazy. <laughs> what you say is that's one way that one mm -hmm. group of people celebrates and honors things and then, when I look at Diwali, this is a whole different festival, but look at us all doing these things. And right. mine is not the most important one to everyone. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's that's exactly why I really got interested in this work. Well, first of all, it was, you know, doing my my first year um, in the program at uh, Silver Lake, Silver which Lake. was Holy Family and is no longer. I know. Um, well, moved to Lakeland, I should say, because yes. Lakeland's taking that program. Um, but um, in sitting, you know, going through that first that first summer, I was like, you know, I talked to I talked to Dr. Pye Robin, and I said. Um, you know, our, we're supposed to be teaching with the music of our countries, right? Or the right. it's supposed to be reflective of the people in these countries. Right. And after everything, you know, that was taken, everything that happened here, we're still not talking about Native Americans. Like, it's still mm -hmm. not included. And I was like, you know, why isn't this something? And so that's when he's like, I think you have a capstone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's so true. Like, that's that's something that... I wanted to do one is um, as a, an educator of Native students, be able to incorporate their culture into their education, um, which is so important and yeah. is something I work on every day, you know, including the language in our lessons, mm -hmm. including, um, you know, the music of our culture and all that. Um, but also having taught not, you know, uh, in different school districts, not on reservations, mm -hmm. um, teaching about it so that there isn't this, you know, mockery or this continual um, cycle of racism and stereotypes. I think that if we all just learned a little bit more about each other and understood, mm. um, then, you know, some of these things would heal. Um, Absolutely. And that's, that's the, my main, I want to help other people learn about it because um, and I want to help get the resources out there. And not everyone believes that the same way I do. Not all, you know, some, some Native people don't, don't want to do that because they're, you know, we've had all this stuff taken from us. Yeah, Why are we hearing I more? can understand I, a protective feeling. Yeah, exactly. And, and for me, like, I understand that being, being Native American, I understand that. But also not growing up on a reservation, also, you know, being mixed, being um, white as well. I understand that that desire to know more or that need for an understanding so that we can all understand more together, I guess sure, is the way I want to say sure. it. Like, so that yeah, we, yeah. Um, because there are these instances that you hear of at schools where kids, you know, un unknowingly are mocking Native American culture and stuff. I mean, that's happened here in our state. And, um, it's, I think it comes from a lack of knowledge and there, I was just looking on um, the Illuminative website and that's a, that's a really great website. Um, that's just about making Native Americans more visible in our country okay. and with our, you know, telling our story from our point of view. Their goal is to tell our story of our people by our people, not through anyone else right. and, and to bring it to light. Um, and on their website, they have this really great graphic that talks of, like breaks down percentages. And one of those is that 78% of, of Americans want to learn more about Native Americans. That's like they fantastic. feel they don't know enough about them. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's very interesting. Um, the, there are a lot of other statistics on there that are really, really interesting. Like 87% of state um, exams don't cover you know a certain years of native history and stuff like that so um i think i think that's a, those numbers say a lot um yeah, and it, it's sure. re representation too it's like the representation within media and stuff like that um is a very low percent as well i think it's like zero to zero point four percent yeah, I mean, that sure feels correct, you know, as I think about growing up, because yeah. I just remember not learning almost anything, except mm -hmm. at Thanksgiving, you know, some of us wore the paper bags that were the, you know, Indians, and then some wore the pilgrim outfit, and that was just about the sum total of what I remember learning. Would you mind sending me some links that I can put on that page, and listeners can go to those links yeah. and kind of start this this process. It's important mm -hmm. to learn about the history of indigenous people and what happened when we showed up. Yeah. But we have to start. It, right. It, and there, there are some great, like, there are some very interesting things to read that are put in great 
you know, wording. You know, you don't want to, not everyone wants to go home and feel like they're reading another scholarly right. article when they're done yes. with work. So, yes. um, yeah, I, I have a few things I would like to sure. just quick go through. No, so absolutely. that's um, an indigenous people's history of the United States that we were talking about. Um, there's the original book, but there's also an adaptation of that for young people. <gasps> what? Um, yeah and in it's why did i get that one <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a little bit more um it's it's easier to read a little more and user has, friendly yeah it has more like do you know or like think critically boxes in it Dagnabbit. Uh, I'm good. now questions. i gotta buy that one too <laughs> yeah and they're more like pictures um right. and then oh, it, in the beginning it talks about what we kind of talked about with the um the different terms Okay. Um, and it talks about tribes and bands and nations, all of those things and how they were used. Okay. And this book goes all the way through um, the access pipeline. So it does, it wow. goes up to pretty current. Um, and then in the back for the kids, it also has for further reading. So it talks about um, how, um, here this part of it says, in this young people's adaptation of an in, in an indigenous people's history of the United States, you may have noticed that there's more information about indigenous men than indigenous women. That imbalance is the result of history being written by men who chose to write about mm -hmm. men. <laughs> Below are the names of indigenous women. And they, they have a list of wow. other indigenous women that you know young people or anyone can look into further. And then also in the back of this one, I don't think it's in the back of the other one is, books that they recommend by native authors. Oh, that's um, fantastic. Which is really cool. They have some, you know, uh, uh, great chapter books and stuff like that for kids to read. Um, so they list those in the back too, which is, is wonderful. Um, so that's great for that, okay. the, the For Young People adaptation. And then um, two other like books that are really interesting, um, and they'll, they'll get you by the title. Um, by the same author is uh, a book that I've personally read is, all the real Indians died off and 20 other myths about Native Americans. Wow. So that one is a really great one. It does each chapter is a myth that you may have learned about Native Americans. Right. Oh, that sounds um, great. Yeah, it debunks everything. It's really great. Um, and then one that my cousin always re recommends um, that I still have to get my hands on because I've been trying to do so much reading and on top yeah, of being a teacher and everything. Everything you want to know about Indians, but we're afraid to ask. Oh, that's that's for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, and those then sound some, great. They're, they're great books okay. and then um some documentaries the we shall remain documentary is really great that's a five-part documentary it's seven and a half hours total and it wow. basically talks about what happened at contact um and what tribes were in that area um it's a really really great one um and then PBS always has really great documentaries mm -hmm. and they get really tribe, tribe specific. So they'll have different ones on the different tribes. Um, and then one podcast that I love to listen to is All My Relations. Okay. Um, and that talks about like that one. current and past, um, current and past, you know, um, indigenous topics and issues. Wow. They talk about blood quantum. They talk about, um, you know, Sweet. everything, native artists. Um, and so that is done. That's Dr. Adrian Keene and Matika Wilbur, all my relations. And um, that's more of like for us to listen, probably not for, our, you know, students to necessarily listen to sure. everything, but really great information on there. Interesting. I've been following people on Instagram mm -hmm. and TikTok, like, poop dancers. Mm -hmm. um, that's been really just even these small bites of music making have yeah. been really like have really drawn me in. Mm -hmm. And I've shared that with my students. Oh, definitely. I've seen um, I have some friends too, you know, here in Wisconsin that I'm doing this work and stuff and have reached out to me and you know, um, I've seen these really great TikToks and I'm like, oh, absolutely. There are some great content, native content creators on there. And like Notorious Cree does Yeah, he's all... the first one I've followed. Yeah, he goes through all of the different kinds of dances and all that mm -hmm. and all the regalia and um, some really great stories. Um, some people tell some stories that are, you know, appropriate to be shared. And sure histories like real histories from native perspectives yeah. um beadwork artwork things like that that are on there that are just really 
really wonderful. I know when I, when I log into TikTok and I see all of that, I'm just like, wow, like we're out there now. Yes. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm, I see these, these TikToks of people saying I'm on the native side of TikTok and I never want to leave. And I'm like, (laughs) all right. So I think this was fantastic because we need to get on that journey Mm -hmm. of losing our ignorance about these things then the next time you come we can talk more music specifically if you would like to oh yeah absolutely so thank you <laughs> thank you that's our that's in Menominee but um and then in Ojibwe B Miigwech you know I was working on um, Ojibwe for a little bit and then now that I'm working in the Menominee school district I'm learning more of that I've been working with our culture and language teachers to use it with our students because That's you so know, cool. we didn't have the opportunity to grow up with it. And yeah. I want to help them have the opportunity to grow up with it and learn it. So um, well, as much as we can, we're using it. That's fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. I don't even know where to begin with what I learned during this conversation. Just hearing about the boarding schools and a little of what Natasha's own family and people went through proves how much I have to unlearn and learn. I am looking forward to having Natasha back to talk in more detail about the role that powwows have in Native culture and how we can include Native music in the classroom. Have questions for me or want to send in questions or comments for future guests? Send them to me at musicedwithmissy at gmail.com. Or you can also reach out to me on my Music Ed with Missy Facebook page, on Instagram at Music Ed with Missy, or on Twitter at DocStrong26. As always, I love hearing from you. And I mean that. Our podcast music was composed and performed by Jeremy and Owen Strong. Jeremy serves as the audio engineer and editor for the podcast. I would be so grateful if you would share this new podcast with your friends and colleagues. And if you would be willing to subscribe and rate it wherever you listen, well, I would just be really, really happy about that. (laughs) These are the ways that we can get the word out at a grassroots level. Thank you for spending time with me. I know you are busy and life is demanding so much from you. I hope that it was worthwhile, that you are motivated to reflect on your philosophy and your practice. I'll see you next time, but until then, keep doing all you can to create a more musical, thoughtful, and just world for your students, families, and community.